Hello, and welcome back to But I'm a Professional. I'm your host, Nancy Elizabeth, and I'm here to help you to be well, to help you work well, to take you on a razzmatazz journey through the professional development universe, uh, or maybe just to give you some learning points for your consideration and your application. Either way, I'm sure we'll have a very good time. Come on in, professionals. Let's get started. What on earth are we discussing today? Ah, yes, leadership and the future thereof. Um, it did occur to me that I probably should have opened this season with a banging, boom-tastic idea, or title anyway, like The Future of Leadership. Um, I don't think I'll be winning any awards for marketing anytime soon, but that's not my area. Anyway, I, I prefer the organic approach to this podcast. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel in the clutches of some sort of profit-driven focus group listening, sort of manicured lawn of ideas. Um, on a, and anyone's development journey. I think, I think there's a bumpiness and a messiness that sort of mimics life and mimics professions as well and mimics careers. And I like that. Um, but yes, today's episode uh, is about the future of leadership and just, uh, I suppose, a few words about inspiration. I mean, recently in the news, at least in the UK, there was... Um, the resignation of um, Dominic Robb and the ensuing and ever degrading um, conversation that sort of played out in the news around the topic of, of bullying, right? What's bullying and who's being bullied and who isn't being bullied and what constitutes bullying, stuff like this. And I just, I found that, I found that conversation um, entirely beside the point. Um, so that was one reason that this idea came to mind. The second reason, uh, or the second, I suppose, inspirational, uh, motivator was, um, I was doing some research and doing some reading to support, um, a client of mine, um, because they had recently shifted into a role which, um, had a very different sort of leadership capacity. Um... How to say this sometimes makes me notice that there's sort of this like awkward gap between what evidence and research su suggests around um, certain things to do with with um, organizational development, and then the kind of of things that you see um, getting sort of headlines in the news or or in um, uh, more business minded publications like Harvard Business Review, Review and stuff like that. So sometimes that gap sort of that bothers me. I just, I don't understand why it's there. And so, um, you know, I like, I like to, to close it sometimes, um, or to at least attempt to, I mean, regardless of all this, I'm sure we can, we can all agree that leadership is, is a hugely popular topic. Everybody wants to be one. Well, a lot of people want to be one. And if you are one, um, you're often looking for ways to be more successful at it. Um, 
That is not to say that success will look the same for everybody who's in a leadership position. But, you know, that's the uh, the beauty of being part of a diverse and global audience that you are. Right. Okay. Let's let's um, set up a foundation for this episode before we get into anything. Um, One of the things that I'd like to set foundationally is the use of the word positive because I'm going to use the word positive a lot in this episode and I'll refer to um, a, a type of psychology called positive psychology. And so I, I don't want us to to get off on the wrong foot. I don't want you thinking one thing and me thinking a different one. So let me define a little bit more more specifically what I mean when I'm when I say words like positive. Okay. I'm not talking about the look on the bright side of things version of positive. Okay. Um and just a note on that, I have a, a very, very deep aversion to, well, to absolutes, broadly speaking. And, and, but also that sort of, that toxic positivity that, that you see in like the Instagram sort of parts of, of, um, the, the, the world. And it's this, um, yeah, it's really toxic. It's harmful. I mean, it's, uh, idiotic I think um you know when when people say things like things happen for a reason or you'll get over it or something like it's just it's reductive it's it's inaccurate it's sometimes hurtful um and we're not talking that's not what I'm trying to talk about here that's not what I'm I'm asking you to align with I'm talking about positivity in a realistic space of what you are able to control okay we are complex human beings and we live and work in complex situations. And so we know that um, positivity can coexist with, you know, other things that are going on that aren't working or, you know, you haven't quite got figured out yet. Um, and that's, you know, that's, uh, that's much more realistic. That's what we're after. The second thing I wanted to talk about for a quick moment is um, the the positive psychology um, branch arm discipline. Um, just just quick and dirty. Positive psychology sort of came about um, again, generally speaking, in the nineties ish. And um, most notably, uh, Martin Seligman, and I'm sorry for mispronouncing this, but I think his name is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, which he's a psychologist who um, did a lot of work around the idea of flow, of, of achieving a flow state. Um, anyway, we're not talking about that today, but um, the, the pair of them... They are um, given sort of credit for bringing positive psychology into into existence and, and into the the conversation around psychology and the science around psychology. Um, I think you know they it, it came from a place where they were noticing that um, often psychology was looking at what we understand to be wrong or what we understood to be dysfunctional. Um, 
And so I thought, what if we looked at um, the other side? What if we looked at things that were positive human functioning and, and positive flourishing and um, looked at the positive dimensions of life and studied starting at that point? Okay. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been an idea or it's been a, an approach that's been kicking around since the 90s. Um, I think that it has gathered some interest more recently as we've sort of in our general conversation been able to understand the idea of well-being a little bit better and see its impact and measure its impact when we try to to um, improve it in different situations, including work. But that isn't to say that, of course, uh, you know, it's a it's a, a discipline that it continues to to evolve and develop, and so that it isn't to say that um, got its own critiques and criticism. Actually, um, I read an interesting paper the other. day from the Journal of Positive Psychology. The title of the paper is The Critiques and Criticism of Positive Psychology, a Systematic Review. Um, a real clangor. I know I always tell you about a paper that's like, you know, 30 pages long and you should go check it out, but I appreciate that you probably don't have time for that in your, your jobs. Um, but, you know, if you were interested, uh, that was published in February 2023, this year. Um, we love a good systematic review, you know, we want a nice, a nice summary, a nice synthesis of results of, of, um, similar studies to, to let us know sort of where we are and where the future of things, uh, likely should go. Um, right. I feel like I've sort of gotten off point. Plus ça change, no? The point is, uh, I'm, you know, some of the stuff, the research that I'll talk about today comes from positive psychology and um, positive psychology is the the study of of positive human functioning and flourishing and what we know from studying that and how we can apply that to our lives to make our lives uh, improve in certain ways. Okay. As always, dear listener, dear professional, it is the case that your experience of life will likely be improved by intentionally engaging with yourself and with others uh, using ideas that have been researched and have been exposed to scientific rigor. Right. So that's a little bit of foundational. What, what is it we're talking about here when I say, um, when I start talking about uh, positive leadership um, and positive aspects of leadership. So Let's move on to getting more focused on professional development. What does this have to do with professional development? Good question. Okay, let's let's focus in on the professional space a little bit more. Um, a few things to acknowledge in, in case some of you out there have forgotten what we're talking about. And you know what? It's not your fault. It's not you. It's me. I do like a good wander. We are talking about the future of leadership today. Um, and 
I suppose one of the things I wanted to highlight is that if you don't lead in any capacity right now, you might not, you might think that this, this isn't useful for you to listen to this episode, but I would argue, au contraire, um, I mean, I suppose the sooner, one way to think about it, the sooner you work on your foundations for, for leadership or for any skill development, um, the sooner you'll notice results. Right. So there's, there's never like the perfect time to start doing something. You, you can always begin, um, before it seems like you should be doing it or, or it's, you know, the, the alligator nearest the boat. Is that, that's not how that phrase goes. Um, if you are leading in some capacity, however, uh, I would say putting the practices, the ones I'm going to share with you, putting those practices into place will improve your your efficacy as a leader and will support your evolution into the future leader that you may want to become. Right. And so you get that sort of, you get that, that parallel thing happening while you might be, you might be engaged as a leader now. And it's not that you necessarily need to screech to a halt, do a full overhaul internally and then try again. Um, but you get to, you get to do the evolution while you're, you know, in that space. And that's hugely useful as well. When I'm ta- when we're talking about leadership, um, there, there are many different types of leadership that fall under the umbrella of positive leadership, which is what I'm going to focus on today. And depending on whom, and depending on what you're leading, uh, not all of those different types of leaderships are going to work for you or for that space. You may recognize some styles that are popular that sort of tend to come up in, you know, um, uh, articles about leadership and stuff. Um, you'll see a lot about transformational leadership. You'll see a lot about inclusive leadership, um, maybe coat lead, uh, leadership as a uh, a coach. I've seen quite about uh, a bit of that lately. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of different styles and I'm not arguing for the case of anyone in particular. And similarly, I am recognizing crossover spaces where you, you sort of see the same competencies and the same skills coming up again and again. What we're trying to do here is we're trying to um, take what we know from the research and then apply that into where we think the future of leadership is uh, for for most effective outcomes yeah, or most effective leadership application for improved outcomes. Yeah. So let's do that. Let's find the ways to develop the skills that are going to improve things like employee engagement, uh, performance, individual performance, team performance, organizational performance, um, job satisfaction, good old resilience, the bouncing back when things are getting you down, all that kind of stuff. That's what we're here for. And like I said at the top of this section, even if you're not leading anyone just now, I dare say this will be handy in the future, or even you might find it applicable for, um, for some other uh, element of the work that you do. Okay. Speaking of do, what do I do? What do we do? Do we do we do? 
Okay, so in the doing, we're going to separate this into two sections. And the first, um, the first part of this section, I'll talk about uh, sort of overhaul approach to your leadership style. If you are interested in taking on a more positive leadership approach. Uh, and in the second part, I'll talk about, um, if you're just trying to change the odd thing here and there, because actually, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm telling you is, is, um, stuff you already do. Okay. So let's do that. Shall we? I want to remind you that in any case, you're acting with intention. I wish for you to act with intention. Okay. You're not waiting for something to happen to you. You're not waiting for somebody to come and save you. Nobody's coming. You're not waiting for, um, sudden inspiration or your feelings to change out of nowhere. I think the move is, um, to move your body first and your mind will follow, right? So take action first and then your brain will come along with you. You can pretty much think yourself out of anything. So Let's do that. Let's, let's mindfully act with intention. Okay. So if you were going to overhaul your leadership style and you didn't know where to begin, uh, I would say we'll, we'll go back to the source. So, uh, one of the guys that I mentioned, one of the scientists that I mentioned, uh, sort of founding fathers, uh, if you will, of positive psychology. Um, Seligman, he talked about, or he's developed, um, a model called, uh, PERMA. Well, that's the acronym anyway, P-E-R-M-A. Yeah. And these are, he developed these as five components, uh, people pursue because people ought to pursue because these components are intrinsically motivating and they contribute to our well-being. Uh, so the research tells us. Okay, so let's let's just go through these um, and then I'm not going to spend a huge amount of time because it's I'll, I'll put some additional resources available. Uh, and if you read my Substack, you can um, follow the links and uh, click on some free resources that are online and that, that will help guide you more so than me just sort of explaining it into the air here, but I'll, I'll give you, uh, an outline, um, to get you started. Okay. So what, what is the PERMA model? What is that? Um, well, it's a model that has, uh, five components and each of these components work individually and also together in a way that will encourage the flourishing of, well, if you apply it to yourself, it, um, the, the individual level, um, you will flourish as an individual. Um, if you apply this model to a group, then that group will flourish. If you apply it to uh, a team, that team will flourish an organization, the organization will flourish and on and on and on. And so, it can be applied in different ways. Okay. I think today in order to keep this podcast less than 76 hours long, um, we'll, we'll focus on how we can apply this to a leadership space, but bearing in mind, like I said, that it can be applied to other spaces as well. Okay. So 
let's get started talking about the components of this PERMA model. Okay. P-E-R-M-A. Yeah. Um, let's go through each component. I'll tell you what it stands for. I'll tell you briefly what that means. And then I'll give you an example of an activity that you can do to support the development of this uh, component. Okay. So starting with P, P begins, uh, P stands for positive affect or positive emotion, I guess. And that's, that's much more than just happy. Yeah. Uh, think of, think of all your positive emotions. If you have your feelings wheel handy, just go and look at that. Do you see things like, like, um, gratitude or hope or, um, delight or, or compassion, things like that. Those are all positive. Yeah. The idea here is if you can, if you can investigate, identify, uh, integrate positive emotions into your, your daily, uh, daily life, then that will in turn, uh, improve how you think and how you behave. Okay. Um, and it can also help to, to undo some of the negative impact that negative emotions have. All right. So what we're, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to increase positive effect. We're trying to increase positive emotions in order to, to build up, um, the kind of resources that we need to, uh, improve and, or maintain, uh, well-being, resilience, things like that. Yeah. So how can we do that? Right. So I told you what, now let me tell you the how. Okay. Um, a few examples. And maybe some of these you do already, or maybe some of these you've heard about before. Um, the first one that I think is really useful is having uh, some sort of space where you record, you reflect and record positive things. Um, I'm sure you've heard about developing a gratitude practice before. Uh, it is really effective. There is a lot of science to support it. Um, Similarly though, it doesn't, it doesn't just need to be gratitude, right? You can also do like, if, if you feel like that's a bit too limited uh, and you want to broaden it out more, you can do a, a positive things practice, right? And so for example, um, at the end of every day, if, and if we're thinking about this in a professional space at the end of every work day, you get your little document up or you get your little notebook open and you write down three things that went well today, right? Um, and that can include gratitude. I'm grateful that this happened because whatever. Um, but yeah, keeping that record and keeping that consistent, that consistent, uh, habit is a, is a really good way to, to strengthen, uh, positive emotions. Okay. Um, another way to improve and strengthen your positive emotions is to engage in, um, activities that you enjoy. Um, and so what I mean is like, um, not work stuff, right? Like something that's a, a creative endeavor something that is a hobby just for the fun and getting away from this sort of idea of like, you need to be good at stuff that you do. No, no, no. You're just, you purely do that thing for the joy, right? Maybe you, um, you're part of a, a book club or maybe you uh, sing in a choir and maybe you're not the best singer in the world, but who cares? You're, you know, you really look forward to that once a week where you meet with those people and you make music together and, um, it all feels really lovely. Something like that. Okay. That's a hugely effective way, 
uh, to improve positive emotion. Okay. So try to think of some sort of um, creative output that you can you can have on a sort of weekly basis, whereby you're um, you're not doing and not related to work. You're doing something that's that's in support of just for the the joy and the pleasure of it for you. Yeah. E. E stands for engagement. Now, I think, I mean, I, I've referenced um, the guy who's got a name that I can't pronounce well, and I don't want to have to say it again. I embarrassed myself twice in one episode. Um, Cheek sent me Heidi. He developed the concept of flow, right? And flow is that uh, that complete absorption when you're doing something. So you sort of lose track of time and you're sort of like perhaps not entirely conscious of what you're doing. You're so en engrossed and, and absorbed in the activity. Yeah. Um, so we, we often experience flow when we're doing something that that is in the space of... Uh, a strength that we have, but similarly provides um, a suitable amount of challenge. Okay, if we can identify that space and and intentionally participate in it more, then we will develop our our engagement. We will develop our ability to be in flow. Okay, or our you know likelihood of being in flow. And say so, so. So how do we increase our engagement? What are some things that we can do? Right. Um, I mean, one of the one of the things that you could do is, first of all, identify your strengths. And uh, there are several ways to do this. One of the ways that uh, Seligman recommends is taking the VIA test. And this VIA character strengths test, uh, the survey asks you a lot of questions. And then at the end of it, it will give you um, a measure of where your strengths are in these different um, categories of virtues, right? So there's a, a virtue, there are virtues of courage, there are virtues of humanity, virtues of, uh, oh, I can't remember all of them, temperance, virtues of transcendence. And within each, within each uh, category of virtues, there will be um, some specific strengths. For example, under courage, there's a strength of honesty. There's another strength of bravery. There's another strength of perseverance, right? Um, on and on it goes. Okay. And so that, that's a lot of information, but essentially the value in taking a, a test like that is, is not to simply get a measure of, of where your strengths are and then move on, but to to identify character strengths and then to engage with them more more frequently or think of it how you can apply them to more uh, to broader uh, situations. And when you're doing that, you are more likely to get into an engagement state, to get into a flow state, um, and and that will increase your uh, your feeling of well being. Okay. Um, another thing you can do in support of engagement is to spend time in nature, uh, just watching, just looking, listening, um, depending on where you are feeling and, and to engage in nature away from distractions on your phone and things like that. Um, so 
you know, instead of when you go for your for your evening stroll around the neighborhood, instead of taking your phone with you, leaving it or or having it with you in case of emergency, but, you know, having it on mute and paying attention to what you can see, what you can smell, things like that. Um, it's also, I mean, you could, you could over, you could also in that space practice, um, practice awe, uh, which isn't in this, isn't in this PERMA model, but, um, awe really works in, or, or works really well in, um, settings with nature because you get to notice the physical vastness and the novelty of things, I think, um, because, you know, nature will change. Whereas if you're in an urban landscape, it probably won't change as much, but that isn't to suggest that you can't engage in, in, um, cultivating awe in an urban landscape. And similarly, you can do the same, uh, indoors, right? I mean, think about the last time that you were in, you know, the inside of a, of a museum or a, a church or, um, a theater or something that was really old and grand and you sort of looked around and thought, my God, it's beautiful that it's that. Okay. Okay. Unsurprisingly, I've got off track here, right? Those are some different ways to, to engage, uh, or, or to develop engagement. Right. Let's move on to R. R stands for relationships. And what we're talking about here is coming from the, the, the baseline understanding that humans are social creatures, um, relationships are hugely important to us. We need to feel, we need to feel, um, loved. We need to feel, um, supported. We need to feel valued. We need social connections. Okay. Sometimes this can get a little bit tricky, particularly in modern life. Um, and so I think, it's really important here again, back to that intentional approach to, to living your life, intentionally trying to improve the relationships that you have. Okay. Um, better relationships are going to make you function better as a person full stop as you know, as for what we're talking about today in, in professional space spaces and leadership spaces, um, improved relationships are going to help you, uh, be a better colleague, be a better leader, uh, and so on and so forth. So how do we build and maintain relationships more effectively? Well, a couple of things. The first thing is you need to talk to people more and find out more about people in order to have better relationships with them. Okay. So if you think about this in a leadership capacity, if you are the type of leader who sort of is never around or never, you know, interacts with, with the lowly bottom rung of the organization or of the team or the section or whatever it is, however, um, however you're organized, um, that's going to be very hard for you to do that. Okay. Um, and when I talk about this, I don't mean like you have to, you know, cause I, I can hear the arguments coming through. I was going to take ages. I don't have time for that. I'm too busy, blah, blah, blah. I don't mean like, you know, spend your entire day going from person to person being okay. And how are you? And how many kids do you have? And what do you like to do in your free time? And all this, I just mean like, you know, there's a big difference between somebody who is literally never seen nor heard from, um, and, and somebody who, who devotes a certain amount of time to, to talking to, um, members of the team and understanding what, what their struggles are and understanding what their, 
um, their successes are and celebrating that and seeing what everybody's interested in and, you know, all that kind of thing there, you, you can do it. It, it do, often doesn't take long to, to have those short exchanges with people as long as they're, they're focused. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, that's step one. Um, ask people questions and, you know, listen, um, Another thing you can do to improve your relationships is to recognize that modern modern life has has put up barriers that I don't think we're always aware of. And so you sort of you fall out of touch with people or you don't keep up as much as you would have liked. And then suddenly you find yourself in a situation where you haven't spoken to so-and-so in a really long time and you feel guilty and then you think, oh, better not reach out. They're probably, they're probably, you know, disappointed in me or whatever the case may be. But, but I would encourage you not to think that way. I would encourage you to, to connect and reconnect with people. Um, even if you haven't spoken to them for a while because I do think that we're we're not always fully cognizant of of how many barriers that we uh, face in the design of our our lives when it comes to to keeping in touch with people and keeping up on uh, uh, the the factors that need to keep a relationship alive and and flourishing. So I guess really this is you know yet another argument for being more intentional with your. Uh, in your interactions with with others, right? Um, particularly when you're trying to uh, maintain close relationships. So um, if you're you know if you're in a leadership position, it's often quite lonely at the top, and you you feel like you have to you have to manage a lot. You have to um, you have to take care of a lot of things. You have to sort of convince and persuade, bring people on with you, da, da, da. But then at the you know at the end of the day, you think, well, who's who am I talking to? Like who am I? sharing jokes and japes with, and you're not going to believe this. Here's something hilarious that happened today. Who, who's my person? Um, and I think that that's something, um, we can be a little bit more proactive in our approach to developing. Okay. So think about, um, people in your life like that. Yeah. And put real effort in. Lest it slip away. Right. M. What does M stand for? Three guesses. Go for it. Marshmallows. No. Um, meaning. M stands for meaning. So this is um, a sort of purpose in life that can help you hone in on what is really important and keep that focus even when you are met with, with challenge. Yeah. I think, you know, a thing to consider here is that um, your sense of meaning is often guided by different aspects of your life that are not going to necessarily match up with any, uh, everybody else's, not that everybody else has the same one, uh, ones. Um, but the, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a very personal, uh, endeavor, uh, to, to work out what your meaning, what your purpose is. Um, I mean, sometimes it is, it is found through a profession um, but sometimes it sounds through more of, um, you know, some sort of cause or, or something like that. Okay. And so if you don't really have a strong sense of one yet, that's also fine. Um, 
but the pursuit of it is also, you know, it has its own value, right? And so having that, having that conversation with yourself around what is it that, that you value and, and what is it that makes you feel like your life has meaning, your life has purpose, you know, and not one thing either, you know, what collection of things, right? So that's what we're talking about when we say meaning. So how do we, you know, what do we do in, in support of developing and, and building um, a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose? I think here we can try to uh, think of ways we can support or, or be involved in some way in either a cause or an organization that matters to us, that does some kind of work that matters to us. So that might be um, a volunteering thing. Um, or, or similarly thinking about some way that, you know, things that you feel passionately about or things that you really enjoy, like how, how can you use that to help other people? Right. There's very much a, a generosity in this, in this approach. And that will, will absolutely help you to feel, um, like your life has meaning, your life have, has purpose, um, that process of, of helping others and, um, supporting others. Okay. So if we're thinking about this in the, in the professional space and the leadership space, that can be very, um, you know, one-to-one, i.e. you, you mentor people. Um, and so that helps you, um, do that in that professional space zone into it. But likewise, you know, even if you're, even if you're trying to become a better leader, um, getting involved in, in a cause that isn't directly related to the work that you do you know, we'll still have the positive impact of, um, helping to, helping you to develop, um, empathy and, and understanding and, uh, ability to, to communicate well and, uh, you know, interact positively with others, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, so yeah, it can be, it can be more specifically in, in the professional space, uh, that you're already in, or it can just be on the outside and, you know, the, the sort of spill over of, uh, skill development will, um, happen regardless. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on. Last one, a accomplishments and or achievements. Uh, I don't think I need to explain to you what an accomplishment or an achievement is. Um, and particularly in, in the space, in a professional space, you know, how you, you master something, how you demonstrate competence, how you, um, tap into the, the motivation, the intrinsic motivation to, to finish out, to finish up what you, you set out to do in the first place. Um, all those things, that sense of accomplishment, uh, is really important. Um, how do we build accomplishment? Well, uh, I mean, we've talked about some of this stuff before. I think, um, goal setting theory is really important here. How you set goals, um, and, and engage with that process when you, um, meet resistance or, or meet challenge. That's really important. Um, but I think the other thing here too is, is to, now I was thinking about, um, you know, how am I going to overcome a challenge when I meet it, as far as my goals are concerned, is also um, reflecting on things that you have accomplished and things that you have achieved 
and looking for ways to to celebrate that because I think often we sort of we get something and for that that moment when we've when we've received the accolade we think oh well done me doing a great job and then that fades really quickly and we start thinking about oh now I need to you know I need to climb higher on the greasy pole or I need to get another bit of paper fancy bit of paper with my name on it how do I do that next thing next thing next thing and so putting into place, you know, time and energy and effort to recognize what you have already achieved, um, I think that's important too, okay? So there you go. That is the PERMA model, and those are some ways to consider the different components of the model and how you might apply them um, to your leadership approach, okay? All right, let's just finish up this uh, sure to be lengthy episode uh, talking about if you don't want to do an entire overhaul, what you can do, uh, just just the odd thing here and there that you can do to, to uh, make your leadership style more positive, okay? I'm going to talk about two things and I'm going to talk about them with a fair amount of swiftness. Should we pause? Should we pause for a tea break? Tea, anyone? Okay, we're back. Tea time is over. Let us talk about uh, two uh, areas that you can focus on if you don't have uh, the capacity to do a full overhaul and or you've already begun and you're already doing a lot of those things I've already talked about, okay? Number one, I want you to think about knowledge, okay? And I want you to think about the creation of knowledge that happens in your space uh, as leader and on your team and, and in your organization, whatever it is, whatever shape it takes. More specifically, we're talking about how does learning happen, okay? I am talking about not just formal learning, not training, not what courses everybody taking, but I'm talking about the informal learning as well. Okay. And so how does that happen in your space and, and with, uh, the people that you lead, All right? How is knowledge created? Is it created? What I'm talking about here is the kind of knowledge that lies within the experience and the insight of the people with whom you lead, okay? Is there space and is there capacity for them to offer that knowledge to you and for you to receive it as such? If the experience and the insight that is within the people uh, that you lead if they, if they are never handed the microphone, then that is unlikely to ever come out. And it is unlikely that you will ever receive it, acknowledge it, formalize it, use it. Okay. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we are allowing all those things to happen, right? How are we co-creating knowledge with the people that we lead? So a couple of things we should consider doing. Consider one or all of the following. Consider creating a, an internal peer-to-peer -peer knowledge sharing 
program of some description. Um, I will put some links in. Uh, I've got some links from a free free resources that exist on the interwebs. Um, there's a mind tools link there. There's uh, from a university in Arizona. Because what I'm talking about is, is not as complicated as it sounds. When I say a peer-to-peer -peer knowledge sharing program, what I'm talking about is people coming together, little and often, um, and they're on similar levels, and they come together to um, create goals, to share goals, to formulate, you know, set up the um, how they're going to achieve them. They make a schedule. Um, they offer feedback to each other, and it's something that happens over a long period of time. Okay, so this isn't, you know, we're trying. This isn't like a project for a, a short, short pop that we really need to get something done. No, this is the sewing into how you function, the um, knowledge sharing uh, between peers that needs to happen in order for that knowledge to be um, to be formalized and utilized. Okay, so that's one thing some kind of program, setting up some kind of program, program like that, or tasking somebody with doing so, or somebody's. Number two, uh, consider regularizing meetings where thought processes are shared from different uh, SBU, strategic business units, or T, I don't know what you call your things in your organization. And what I mean here is we often have meetings where um, we sort of talk about, you know, in our team, what are we doing? What are we working on? How, you know, and there's a lot of like progress checking in and, and how, how, how's it going and what's holding us back type thing. But it is less common to, to see a meeting that's specifically for um, sharing knowledge across SBUs. Yeah. And so how can we, how can we turn that, uh, how can we benefit from that? How can we create that? How can we intentionally make that part of, of how we understand what's going on um, and how we uh, develop our knowledge of, of what it is this organization is doing? Yeah. And how it is that our work is supporting that. Um, Another thing you might consider doing is tasking members of your team with designing and delivering workshops um, on things that that they know a lot about and maybe the rest of the team doesn't. Okay, I'll give you a, a real life example from my back in the day um, career when I used to when I used to teach um, each year we would the teachers would um, set goals and, um, you know, there, there were a lot of different things. Everybody, everybody in the, the teaching center would be working on, but one of the, one of the really valuable things that often came out of that is, um, when a teacher had worked on whatever their goal was to a certain extent, or maybe achieved their goal, they would then you know, uh, create a workshop and share it with the rest of the teaching team, right? So it wasn't just something that they had worked on, they had improved, they had learned a lot about, and then that stayed in their classroom or stayed between them and their line manager. It then extended across the team, that I that knowledge extended across the team uh, much, much more broadly. And it was great. It was great. I mean, what better value of being on a team than everybody working on their own little bits and then coming together 
to to share what you're learning and see how it can be applied how other people can apply it to whatever it is that they're doing right again that that co-creation of knowledge it's great so think about how you might be able to do something like that um in in uh with the people that you lead uh, the last thing about creating knowledge, I would say get control. You might want to consider getting control uh, of information. And what I mean is the sharing of information, the access to information, the salience of information. And remember that information and knowledge are not the same thing. What I'm talking about is sometimes there's, there's, um, there's too much information or a hoarding of information or um, a holding back of information because somebody wants to um, maybe benefit from it or, you know, even more, if you want to be a little bit more generous, they're passively doing so because they don't know any better. And so just, just, you know, again, trying to think about how you can manage that information better so that it doesn't either overwhelm everyone because everybody's getting far too many emails full of stuff that's not important or not relevant to whatever it is they're doing. Um, and or making sure that everybody has access when they should and where they should um and or the you know um being able to prioritize and and um edit when it comes to information as well yeah so getting getting a handle on on all that is all uh very important i dare say so those are some things you might want to consider with the um the co-creation of knowledge uh, in your leadership space. Let's move on to the last one for today, everybody. Big sigh of relief. I can see uh, the lighthouse drawing nearer. If you do nothing else as a leader, um, please do this. Please improve your communication skills drastically. There is a, a huge amount of poor communication that happens uh around the leadership space and, you know, even in the professional space. Um, and I'm not sure we're getting better at it in a way that we could, because I think a lot of people think, oh yeah, communication, fine. Um, I'm a human, I can communicate. Not so. I'm going to have to do an entire episode on this, I think. But anyway, my point is often when um, I talk to people about the work that they do, communication, you know, lies at the heart of a lot of problems that people are experiencing. And so if we could all sort of put a little bit more energy and effort into improving our communication, that would be, that would, um, that would do a lot. That would have a huge impact. I think, I think one thing to consider and one thing to remember is that a lot of poor communication doesn't come from a very active space. It's not because people are trying to be shitty communicators. It comes from things like people are really time poor. People are anxious. People are not paying attention because, because they're anxious or because they're in a hurry or whatever. So that drives a lot of it. So, so two things, remember that when somebody's communicating with you poorly, but also, which isn't to say it's an excuse, but just, you know, bear that in mind for a bit of empathy. But also remember that you might be doing that too. So, you know, check yourself. Um, try to get away from that time poor, anxious way of working all the time so that you you have the, you know, the capacity to improve your communication. Um, 
Another thing that I want you to try more actively to to do in your communication spaces is to respond in the constructive, active space of, of communication, um, rather than responding in the passive space or responding in a destructive space. And communicating in this space will require you to pay more attention to um, the communication that you're having and be in that moment and in that conversation when you're having it, uh, which again is, is a, a key element of, of developing the skill, actually listening to what people are saying to you and not, you know, um, waiting for your turn to speak or leaping ahead because you've, you've already, you know, made five assumptions and et cetera, et cetera. Um, also be mindful of the negative to positive ratio uh, impact. We often remember negative things. We, we hold negative things at the forefront of our minds. We focus on the negatives. This is all because your brain obviously is trying to keep you alive. But, you know, unfortunately what that looks like is that we often remember negative things people have said, or we, we remember, um, negative experiences with, um, with a lot more force than we do positive. But bearing that in mind, check yourself and how you communicate. Are you are things that come out of your mouth, are they more more frequently negative? And then second, think how you can how you can switch that, how you can move that ratio. I think I think it's Gottman who who argues that we need a five to one. We need five positives to one negative. The the Gottman Institute does clinical research on um, relationship health, uh, that sort of thing. And one of the arguments uh, from that work is, yeah, you need to you need to to um, intentionally make sure that you are um, saying five positive things for every one negative thing that you say, because otherwise the perception gets thrown and your partner receives the information that you think of them negatively or respond to them negatively more so than you actually do, right? Um, so I think, yeah, taking on that responsibility to, to make a, an active shift to have more positive than negative. And again, coming back to what I was saying at the top of the episode, we're not going for toxic positivity here. We're going for the difference between, do I need to, to make, you know, do I need to complain vaguely about some random thing right now? No, probably not. Do I need to make the sarcastic comment right now about whatever? No, probably not. It's more, I mean, it's probably more the, the negation of, of negative comments than the adding of, of positive comments. Um, but yeah, do bear that imbalance in mind when it comes to your communication. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of a lot. I didn't mean for this to keep going on, but here we are. I mean, I suppose, you know, this is, this is a broad category. Um, this is a broad topic, rather, the future of leadership. And even though I focus primarily on positive leadership, there's still a lot in there as well. And a lot of skills that we can work on and um, a lot of areas for development in the pursuit of being a better leader that are available to us. Um, I mean, also, you know, a real a sort of growth mindset understanding of how you can be a more effective leader, right? These are all 
skills that you can develop. These are all things that you can learn how to be better at, you know, um, to the benefit of everyone, including you, professional. Good job. Well, professionals, I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and listening today um, to me discuss the future of leadership uh, as I see it. Um, as I have mentioned in previous episodes in this series, I have a Substack now and the notes in support of this episode go there and the links that I refer to are all included uh, on that Substack, um, it's all free. It's all open. You don't need to, you don't need to subscribe or whatever, but if you do subscribe, you get the emails when I do, um, post something new. Okay. Um, I hope you have found this episode of some use and some value. If you have, please share it with a friend or an enemy and let the learning continue. I wish you a wonderful week of permatastic approaches to life, and I'll see you back here next time. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye.